In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. We're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the End Sons Podcast. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. And this time we have Morgan joining us in the studio for uh, the th- what third attempt at this particular episode. I don't actually know. I think we only did two. No, no, we're they counting say third the third time's a charm. So we <laughs> wanted to be at the third attempt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Morgan, thank you for joining us for the third attempt. Guys, I'm super stoked. I was so sad that we lost the files for number one. Yeah, because it was an awesome conversation. One of the casualties of the summer. I don't know, fragmentation, brain fog of COVID shutdowns. All three of us recording from our garages, yes. three different garages. And I was like, so proud of us. Yeah. And then the We said some really profound things. <laughs> Just lost <laughs> to time. Uh, Although I will say that uh, Barry, our sound guy, is so happy to not be listening to the hum of my mini fridge from recording in my garage. So... Yeah, you don't You're have welcome. any fridge now, so. Oh, that's true. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even have a house. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another episode. <laughs> Gosh, so, Blaine, great segue into um, I'm feeling painful and disoriented and lost and confused, and, and those if, aren't new to me for this last decade. And if you don't have a house and are living in a camper, I do have a blog post on that called living on 15 amps, because in fact, we were for six months. So check it out. And you guys all survived. (laughs) Um, Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) The catalyst for our first conversation was that your book finally came out. Maybe one of the most anticipated products in the history of Wild at Heart. (laughs) And while it is written predominantly to an audience of men in their 30s, We wanted to have a conversation on it here for our guys, many of whom are much younger, because the book that you wrote came out of a life that you lived, came out of pain that you identified and questions that you were asking right about the time that you were in your mid-20s. Is that right? Could you take us into the story of uh, the book that we will get to started with deciding to take a journey that came out of some pain. So take us to the origin of the project. Like, what was the pain? How old were you when this started? Yeah, Blaine, thanks for the opportunity. And Sam, uh, I was just praying this morning and just feeling so much excitement and anticipation to connect with the Anson's tribe because in many ways the, the message and mission of becoming a king is the curated and distilled um, result of the thing that I most wanted when I was at that stage. And when I say that stage, I would say late 20s um, and ending my university years, looking at 
grown-up life in the face going, oh, shit. And I remember thinking in college, like, I didn't walk with God growing up, and I was an intense life seeker, adventure seeker, and had a lot of damage and self-harm through all that. So came into a confident, trusting relationship with God in college. And I remember thinking, like, where do you go to get educated on being a father, on being a husband, on being a man? Like, who's teaching that? You know, and I grew up, my dad's Jewish, my mom's Catholic, basically a secular upbringing, went to Vanderbilt, a secular school. And like, that's not what we were studying. Like, that wasn't in the... the economic classes in my major or human organizational development. I was like, where do I become a man? Because I know that's in me and I don't know what to do with it. So I came into a relationship with God. And what I also found you guys is it didn't solve most of the dilemma. Like there was this immense relief, like repentance was massive. I had a Mm -hmm. lot of things for which I needed to repent. And it was enough for a while. And then I realized I was still scared. I still felt daunted by reality that was coming, like on the odometer of my life. I still felt behind, even though I was like on the top of my game, on the outside. So I I had these questions, where do I find that? Where do I engage in a process and path of what I would now name is masculine initiation? And so, Blaine, I think to your question, uh, as I pursued that, and then as the years unfolded where I was thinking of career and pursuing a woman out of a a, a life centered in God for the first time and dreaming of having kids, I noticed all of the indicator lights on the dashboard of my soul. And And I began to choose not to ignore them. And I began to take the passion of the decade of the early 20s of exploration, discovery, and all these exclamation points we form in our belief system. And I chose to risk replacing them with genuine question marks. I began to ask questions and I turned to the oldest men I could find. And I tried in a stumbling, messy, persistent way to find the path to masculine initiation. And what I found was actually it wasn't up to me. That my father, God himself, was actually orchestrating this beautiful, unbroken line. Actually, what I would name um, from uh, Wendell Berry, names it the straightest line possible. He's 76 when he writes it. And he says, what if, looking back on my life, what I found to be true is actually this wild journey that had so many losses and pitfalls and circling backs and misguided steps. Like what if it was a line unbroken? What if it was the shortest line possible? And what if actually in all of it, I found that I was being led? And so that's what I discovered over 20 years of pursuing mentorship, recovering an ancient path, curating and distilling. And the fruit of it was the mission and message of Become Good Soil that I was able to kind of package in Becoming a King. Oh, it's so good, Morgan. And there's so many threads in there that I want 
to chase. And so maybe we will as I'm able to break them down. But initially, my reaction is like, I'm reminded once again of what are the things that we're going to be measuring ourselves off of? Because the two comments that most stand out to me are the, the feeling behind. Like right. that's a conversation I feel like you can have with just about any man and just start listing through areas of your life, your yard, your body, your work, your finances, your relationships, your marriage. I mean, like Where genuinely. Are you not feeling behind? I'm behind in cleaning out my rain cutters. Like I, I, it's so specific and I can think of so many different yes. places that I just start laughing at it. Like it's the verdict. Yes. And then I begin just extrapolating off of that. As you were saying, you were chasing these older men and asking these questions. Sometimes I've been frustrated at some of the answers I've gotten for my questions, but I think I've been asking the wrong ones. Like I've been looking at the wrong metrics at times. By way of example, I'd ask an older man how he was doing the work he's doing. How did you end up in this? Yes. And often, almost every time, the answer is, uh, I don't actually really know. Mm-hmm. I, I By just, accident. I kind of, yeah, I kind of <laughs> fell into it. And you're like, that is so unhelpful for yes. me at 23. We're like, I feel all this momentum and I just left this launch pad of my undergrad and now I'm going to go this way. And all of the guys that are 50 years older than me are like, I don't really know how the hell I ended up doing totally. this. You're like, so what you're saying is what you did is unrepeatable. <laughs> Great. Oh, And that yeah. seems to just solidify that I'm on my own piece. Yes. But now, as you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering if, as a younger man, my metric was, I was looking at their work. I was looking at their success. I was looking at a very much outside-in view of their life and was wondering how I got those things. How Really, how do I end up driving a Land Rover when I'm 60? Right. That's the real question yeah. you're asking. <laughs> no, right. N- not, nothing else of, like, your relationships, your settledness, or even if the man I was asking was particularly settled if he was actually eight years old inside. And so I just, once again, brought back to this, what are the things that you began to want to measure? Like those indicator lights on your dashboard, um, taking them away from success, career, uh, Land Rovers, and onto something else. Like what became the things where you were like, I'm going to check in on the progress of this every day or every year mm. or what did what did that shift for you what 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 is that sam i i think you're really on to something really important because as you're naming it i realize that i hadn't really thought about this um in this detail but recovering the questions is an art it's not a science it's an art and that takes time to even let that mature in us because it is an excavating process It's the opposite of building, which is what we're made to do and what gets us mostly in trouble when we take the image of God in us as a builder, as a co-creator, and in our woundedness and our immaturity, we go build things for our own gain. But asking those questions is an excavating process. And so I hear you saying, by asking questions, what you found you were really asking was, how do I drive a Range Rover, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the great quote that Craig uh, has brought to us that is in Becoming a King. He said, you know, um, most men want to um, become matadors until they find themselves in the ring with 2,000 pounds of bull staring at them, ready to kill them. And it's at that moment what they realize they really wanted 
was to wear tight pants and hear the roar of the crowd. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what are the questions? And I think what I found in the process was this idea that Dallas Willard first shared with me is the most important thing is not what you do. It's who you become. Because that's the one thing you will take with you into all eternity. And that's actually the one gift we'll give back to God. Just think about that. Think about all that stuff in your garage, in your inbox, on your to-do list. The one thing you take with you is the person you've become, and you will be with that person for eternity. And so that question really began to distill in my soul, Sam, who am I becoming? And then I remember I was actually sitting with your dad, and he posed this. We were driving uh, right through Brackenridge because I remember the moment the Holy Spirit, looking back, was with us. And he said, find older men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s and just ask the question, where'd they get taken out? What took them out? Because they were like you. And you'll be like them. Was it literally ask them the question or was it ask yourself the question? Ask, oh, because, right. hey, Stan, you seem like a disaster. What what was the thing that brought you down? Let me clarify that. Was it the wife or the narcissist? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was all of it. Um, The moment they took away my authority, (laughs) damn it, I should have quit. I have to ask my boss if I could even wipe my nose. Ask the question to yourself, mm-hmm. what took them out, right? And the, and the pattern is just so painfully consistent. It was work. It was the woman, right? Uh, it, the, 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 the pattern surface. And so who am I becoming? And then the other piece that began to get excavated as I asked that question, who have I become? Who am I becoming? Who do I want to be 10 years from now, 30 years from now? is what is my impact on other people? Because we can't see that clearly. Like friends, if there's anything we don't see clearly, it's ourselves. We we see very dimly and it's a process of humility to be willing to come to an honest place of receiving care and feedback from those that are closest to us to ask what is my impact? And it's not all negative. We actually have to celebrate where, where uh, we are bringing God, the image bearer of God, the Imago Dei to people, but we also bring harm. And frankly, we bring the greatest harm to the people most entrusted to our care, the people closest to us. And so that was at core some of the questions that then began asking questions of, okay, if the mission is to build, that we're entrusted with power, bearing God's image to co-create, to participate in the rule and reign of God, why has it all gone so sideways? Mm. What, why is mishandling of power the primary theme in the majority of headlines on Google today? Like, stop this podcast. Go to Google, find the top 10 stories, and the primary theme will be the mishandling of power, primarily men. And then go take a walk outside for a minute. <laughs> and walk. And then say, okay, um, this is a clue. This yeah. is data. So what if... What if this is on time for my masculine initiation? I'm not behind, but there is a father that's actually bringing this to my attention, that he's on a rescue mission to restore my heart, heal 
mature, initiate me into wholeheartedness? And what if it's available? Woof. One of the things that I love about the project that you've distilled and curated is that it is kind of first principles based. <laughs> because that, when I think of my peers and, I, and when I think of the men who are a little bit younger than us, the question when we name the pain is, yeah, exactly. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. What, what are the things? Uh, and it's, even, it's just fascinating over the weekend, I was having a conversation, trying to figure out uh, in the timing of this, going, hey, when, do, when, do, when did all my friends start joking about not being young anymore? Mm. And I went, it actually, it happens way earlier than you think. And I go, it either, it happens when either when you cross that first threshold where there's not major structural momentum behind you, where I go, the day that my friends graduated college, they started joking about being old. But we corroborated this with when soldiers, you know, friends of ours who were in the Marine Corps, got out of their basic training. They started joking about being mm, old. Interesting. And it, went, and it went, okay, so you have this, there is a transition that happens, but then, you know, later in the 20s, near the end of the 20s, whether it's you have found the girl and now are realizing how far I am mm-hmm. from being able to love her. Or you haven't found the girl and you realize that you actually can't wait for that to live your life with God yes. and to offer the things that are in you uh, to the people God has given you to love. And you start to go, oh, crap. Uh, I feel almost every day so far from being the person who can even handle the things I'm entrusted with right now. Yes. Not like a decade from now, yes. but I'm 30. And I go, okay, uh, two kids, a house, a wife, one car, one garage, uh, three trees on my property. Like, uh, I don't feel able to handle those things or to master them. And so I go, feel the question over to you of, okay, what are the core values? What are the first things? Uh, literally, where are the starting places in the, you're right, the pain that, that you're describing, I feel, now what? Okay, Blaine, what's, what I love about what you're naming is they're right where you are. Because what you're naming is a, is a perception of reality, like the, an interpretive grid. You see your life as a king ruling over a kingdom. And that is so important because that's design, right? Your one car and your one garage and your three trees are your kingdom entrusted to your care. And what I love is the ambivalence of this wanting to steward it and this, damn, why, why even in this, there are things that go sideways. Like that is the perfect on-time moment for masculine initiation. Because see, the beautiful reality of initiation is it's not an age. It's a stage of development that 
every man must go through in order that he can mature and be entrusted with more and more of the portions that God has appointed to him. And I noticed that with having a son. Like my son hit 15 and he was doing really well. And I was like thrown off by it. Like I was, si I was actually sideways. Let me not understate it. I was a mess by him doing well. And what I realized in the moment was, oh, he's on time as a 15-year-old young man. And the 15-year-old in me actually has an incredible amount of trauma that I miss, I, I didn't understand, I didn't see, wasn't visible. That 15-year-old in me has to become healed. He has to become integrated into the whatever, 43-year-old self at the time. And so he's 15 and I'm 15. And God is initiating both of us, fathering both of us. And so what was so cool is I, I didn't find this until I had a maturing son and daughter that these core questions of masculine initiation of who is God really? Who am I personally? And then as a man, like, what is the nature of reality? What is the story in which we live? And, and what is my personal frontier in this moment? Those questions were the same for my 15-year-old as they were for me at 44. And so it's just an example of there, there are these multiple passes that God will bring first in childhood as we are developed and, and parented into maturity. And if those are missed, they, what you're naming, Blaine, is they come back to us. And often in Western culture, they come in this stage of what you said. I love the, the way you named it of structure is no longer driving our life, right? Like my brother went for a run at 6 a.m. He works in this big corporate deal and he works with younger guys. He's the old guy at 40. And most of the guys are mid-20s, upper-20s sales. And they're like, you went out for a run at 6? These are D1 lacrosse players, former, right? And they said, we haven't done a thing since our coaches were riding our ass in college. My brother doesn't have the genetics of a D1 player, but he has two kids at home. And he knows, I take care of me so I can come and do my work and be all in and still have energy to care for my family. And they're like, we haven't worked out in years, right? Yes. And so masculine initiation are, is, is a, a stage and not an age. And it's a revisiting of pieces and parts of us that did not receive the initiation, the, mature, the opportunity to mature in that season. And that's okay because in God's kingdom, as sons, we're always on time. And that's the rescue. I'm back in uh, my garage thinking about this conversation the first time and hearing that phrase, it's almost like the first time every time of just the, what if you were to really sit with, you are on time. Yes. And what happens in my body? Why do I feel my shoulders relaxing? And I didn't realize that I had been tense up until yes. then. Why do I feel this like, if I genuinely receive it and sit with it rather than like, yeah, yeah, I'm not on time. God can use any moment, blah, 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 which is the internal skeptic that tries to keep things from sinking in. <laughs> and once he gets out of the way, there's this, oh, how heartbreakingly hopeful because I do feel all those places that don't feel on time. The majority doesn't feel on time. The majority yes. feels that narrative of being behind. So I do, I, I want to, combine that with you use the language of excavation a lot. And as I'm thinking about 2021, 
the state of the pandemic, whenever this airs, it's a good bet back here in the past that you have a lot of your life to structure. It's not as formed as it once was. Yep. And thinking about my own rhythm, thinking about several of my close friends, like there's actually an opportunity in that, like your brother running at 6 a.m. of, are are you going to use this time now upon hearing this to excavate and go after these places? Mm -hmm. And can you unpack what you mean by that? You have uh, some words on the heart of a man and a densely packed city and identity and all of that. So would you unpack what you mean when you use the word excavate? Yeah, I borrowed that from Mike Mason. Uh, My hope is to never say anything original. It's recovering a gospel. You know, Chesterton said, every generation loses the gospel and every generation is charged with its recovery. So that was a Mike Mason idea. He said, a 30-year-old man is like a densely populated city. You think of like a dense city center. Nothing can be built in its place without something else being torn down. And that's the nature of the false self, the caricature, the poser, the, 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 the structure we build to make life work apart from God, right? A false sense of safety, it's self-sufficiency. And we become very sophisticated in that life. And so when a man marches and ex- accentuates through his late 20s into his 30s, he's architected a life and it's very sophisticated. And it's that life that has to become dismantled. I was reading, I think it's Psalm 18. If not, it's like 17 or 19. And it it says that our foundation is designed to be God. And I just pause and realize how many other things have I constructed in my life as a foundation? It wasn't God. And it's not until it's shaken that we find that out. It's not until drought that we find the roots don't go deep. It's not until storm that we find that the foundation is actually not steady. And that's what the 30s often do for most men for the first time. Brings drought. You named a couple of them, Blaine. It brings storm and we realize, oh shit. And that's really good news. It really is. So I would say you know, as I went through this process, you guys, in the earliest years, I'm thinking back, there were three kind of core ideas, you know, and this is straight out of Genesis 1. You can watch the Bible Project, the Image of God video is stunning to unpack this, but we're meant to rule. We're creating God's image. We were meant to exercise mastery over a domain. It's a realm where we have say, you're three trees, you're one car, you have say. And I love, Blaine, that in some of the banged up parts on your car, you've replaced them with junkyard parts and not got the Mako Auto Parts full paint job for five grand, for 500 or for 50, you've made it work. And you're, you're, you're saving well. You're, you're actually managing quite well over that vehicle. Well done. I love seeing that. It's a joy bomb when I pull in and see the miscolored panels <laughs> on that rig. I painted it now, though, for, for $10. So. <laughs> Good going. <laughs> but that's an example of fierce mastery. This is your car, and you're going to live with integrity in the season in which you are in. right? And we reap in the next decade what we sow in this decade. I remember a mentor said that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to get to lunch. What does that even mean? I'm not sowing anything. I'm not, exactly. (laughs) But here I am spending most of my time with guys in their upper 40s and early 50s. And let me tell you, most of them are thriving. 
thriving. The fruit in their marriages, in their kids, in their work in the world, in the midst of really, really hard circumstances, lost businesses, like heartbreak, they're thriving. And so there is a theme of build. What do you do when you're made to build? It's the Imago day. But what we often do as young men is we go out, we build a name for ourselves. We make a little money and we want to get something going. Like, it's just amazing how most men just try that on. I want to make a name for myself. I want to make a little money and I want to get something going. There's nothing inherently wrong with those desires. But when they are untethered from God at the center of reality, from masculine initiation and from a God-led response-driven life, they become about the self-life and they become very futile. And, and instead, the idea of excavation is what if, what if the radical invitation of the gospel to a young man, and, and here's the point, guys, like he, here's the moment, like hit pause. What if the radical invitation is not to build? What if first it's to excavate over build? What if first it's to take the lowest seat at the table until God makes it impossible to not stay in that seat? What if it's the slow and steady, not the quick and easy? And you can try the other thing. You can build a big company, a big bank account, big name for yourself. But here's the challenge is whatever is built out of the self-life must be maintained by the self-life. And in the end, you will become exhausted if you are not already exhausted. And the bigger they build, the farther they fall. And so you either can learn from your pain and choose humility or humiliation, but there isn't a third choice. What do you choose, Sab? <laughs> I want you to say first. <laughs> what do you think when you hear excavation? And Sam, you just layer on your kids, your life. You think the invitation to not build as motive, right? We're, we're not talking about externals. We're not talking about quit your fill in the blank today. We're talking about motivation, excavate instead of build for a time. Oh, yeah. I can absolutely relate to... When I graduated from my undergrad, I literally wanted to build a giant pyramid and <laughs> carve my name into it. Like it was that. Like is I, it I feel. I feel like. An, well, yeah. I was like, I feel like an animal. It's like I feel rot. like I just like. Is it a full moon? Like what is going on? Like I was had this. What do you primal, mean? What was it? What was it in you? It, something was ignited that like build name create legacy thing, like. That switch got flipped. Yeah, and make I your needed, mark on the It didn't world. matter what it was. I needed to like yes. go do it, which is why I felt a little animalistic of like, this is just going to be blind ambition. That is just, I'm just going to go. It doesn't matter what it is. And it's going to be simple. So pyramid, name, and be like, this, I can point Tire to it. kingdom. I can see it, right? Yeah. Like something. Totally. And then can so relate to the, what are you sowing? What are you, what is the fruit of what you're doing in the daily, like, the daily is my lens often. The daily of, okay, so uh, was up at 10 and 11 and 3 and 4 and 4.15 and 4.30 and 4.45 and then 7. And it was like, okay, I'm not, I wasn't thinking about like the face of God I was showing my kids this morning. I was thinking about how to make them eat 
enough of a healthy breakfast that I could justify giving them the yogurt and blueberries as this carrot and they could go off and do their thing so then I could be released and go do what I do for the day. Yes. And I'm thinking about the things that are in between me and the day ending. So yes, that's, that's it's right here. That's it. it is right here. And often that's it. And often when I try to like zoom out or make that focus go to the week or to the month or to the year, it's overwhelming. And I find myself just sort of slowly rocking back and forth and wondering when I got in the fetal position. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> um, Sam. So uh, that's all there and yes, it's all true. Yes. And I mean, I, it sounds comical, but it is straight. It's, it's, I'm not making it up. Oh, it's honesty. Um, and it is so helpful for me to work backwards. So helpful for me to go like, who's the older man or woman that I've met that said, I really love all the time I spent at work and away from family. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want another minute of rest and interaction with my kids. Like who's, who says that? Right. Find, find me a person. Exactly. A happy person. Totally in shambles. And just to begin tracing that back. And, and that was for me, one of the things of going, I've imagined a lot what my relationship with my kids will look like when they are 10, 15, Beautiful. 20 and going, oh, I'm not going to just magically appear there with a conversational relationship, a respectful relationship, a loving relationship with my son and daughter in 10 years if that isn't already happening. And I, I can experience a lot of condemnation and shame in that and go like, oh, great. So every moment I fail, I've like lost that future, which is just again for me that pull towards, it's just me, there is no God. And it's like, oh my gosh, how am I meant to impart any sense of settledness and stability on my children when I feel like uh, I'm getting thrown around the edge of a rope sometimes by my own internal world and emotions and self-assessment and to go like, okay, okay, okay. Life is lived one day at a time and you do have this very helpful expression of like, when do you measure and when yes. do you live? What is that again, Morgan? Yeah, Sam, I, first of all, I just so appreciate the honesty. I so appreciate the real-time confession and let me also say celebration of what is your life that's on time. That is on time. That is holy. That is sacred because you will not be waking up in the middle of the night multiple times forever. Right. Right? Oh, I know. Oh, don't get me down that track. I understand. <laughs> I get it. But your interpretive grid is really right on because that fetal position is the I need God, right? I, I need, I stand in need. And when a man comes to the end of his rope, remember Dallas Willard once said, someone said, where do you find God? And Dallas in his old way said, well, he does have an address. His address is at the end of your rope. You just go, okay, God is where I have run out of every self-saving solution. And I remember, Sam, in those wakeful nights, I remember I, my kids grew up in the house that your kids grew up because we bought your That's childhood right. house. That's right? why we're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so Ute Valley Park was a house right behind our postage stamp yard, suburgatory. You guys know it as well as we do. So I would man bag Joshua and 
all the women at the park with the man bags, you know, that chest carrier package, and then me. Oh, yeah. And we would just do laps because all I remember about the first six to nine months of his life was him crying. But the one place he wouldn't cry is the bike trailer and the man bag. And I would walk you park. And one morning, hours, like, exhausted. I remember I was walking through the park with a cup of Starbucks because there's a Starbucks on the corner. And I was on this little deer game trail. And I looked out at the coffee and I remember, I don't remember buying this. Yeah. I, like, I literally don't. And then I thought, did I steal it? Because, <laughs> like, for the life of me, I don't remember being in that store. And it was an example of, like, I, I was there. And, no, and yeah. I'm, so I'm sitting with you in that moment. And at that time, a mentor once challenged me. He said, live in the day and measure in the decade. Live in the day and measure in the decade. You know, another mentor said, if you want to know, like, how well you're doing as a parent, looking at your kids, like, it's really fair to begin to ask that question right about when your kids turned 40 and not a day before. Not four. 40. You mispronounced. Four, zero. Right now. Right? Because the carrot of looking for them to be the source of your happiness, looking for them to be the report card. But what I realized in that was I was measuring in the day and living in the decade. Right? It's the thing of the stock market. Like, it's absolutely bipolar and diabolical to follow the stock market by the day. It's not designed for that. Unless you're a day trader, like day trader in Wall Street, not your little COVID like home office, right? Like other than doing that 80 hours a week, like if you are invested in the market, it's crazy making to look at it every day. But look at it over any 10 years and the trend is up and to the right, right? And in and, and this metaphor... The idea is same. It is so with masculine initiation. We are increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. We will grow. We will teach in a decade out of what today is our greatest pain and our deepest struggle if we consent to a path and process that's God-shaped and God-led. And so I was measuring in the day in living in the decade. How do I get the Range Rover? How do I get the, how do I take that trip? How, right? And instead the shift was, I'm going to be here with the blueberries, with the yogurt in this moment. What is the provision being up in the middle of the night? Some of my most honest prayers were walking my kid down the street in the middle of the night. You know, some of my honest, walking Joshua at the man bag in Ute Park was actually the first time I began walking in my life. I was, I'm a runner and a biker. And I do everything intense. It was the first time I was forced to slow down and God found a different cadence for my soul. So it's just an example of that counsel from an older man, live in the day, measure in the decade. And what can I do today that's in my power to step in that direction? And I believe the beautiful image of the narrow road and the narrow gate is that God, that's not simply a salvation message that I believe, especially in masculine initiation at every moment of every day, including this moment, that God is making available a fresh narrow gate to step back on this path that he is shining his light, that he has carved out for us a narrow path that leads to life. It's available afresh every moment of every day. That is hopeful. I want to circle around to the builder one more time to, uh, to talk about one of the key themes of this life. 
And what I love that you were saying, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes ago in this conversation was that the desires are good when you go, I want to build something. Exactly. And the interesting one is even for renown, look at the latter portion of Isaiah 61 and there's so much, and you shall be called and mm. all the nations will come. Mm. And to go, whoa, even that is part of your destiny that you're sensing. I know for my part, uh, there is a lot of fear of it never happening yes. and God never doing it that motivates the, well, maybe there's another way to get this done. And when you write and talk about that, oh, power? Yeah, you are supposed to be. Power is not bad. Mm. Uh, you're sensing something good. A kingdom? Yes, these are... Uh, these are foreshadowed in the entirety of the story, uh, but the way that you choose to do it yes. and that we talk about, but that you talk a lot about is this core dimension of doing it as a son. Yes. Would you riff on sonship and why this is one of the key things that a man needs to grasp in order to be able to take the journey? Because it's one of the foundation stones on which everything else is built. Uh, Blaine, I'm so glad you actually brought that up in this podcast because if there is like one takeaway, there is one doorway through which every other doorway is made accessible. I believe it's coming home to God as father. It's unlearning the ways we have learned him wrong that McDonald says, right? He says it's better to have not learned God as father at all than to have learned him wrong. And so we all have a conception of God as father and every one of us, I want to say that's flawed, even if we had a great dad, because there is an enemy, there are spiritual forces of darkness to take this very point away from being the epicenter of our soul and our rest and our strength and our confidence, our source of life is that identity of son. And so I think what I would say in all of this conversation, there are indicators. Sam, you named the fetal position, right? Blaine, you named the fear. This is the goal of as we get honest, as we get curious about how we react to our circumstances, they will reveal our true belief system. Dallas Willard says actions reveal beliefs 100% of the time. And so often what we find below our theology below our creedal statements is we find a heart that has fundamental beliefs that God is not a good father, that he is not the fountain of abundance, provision, affection, courage, laughter. And as long as we don't know God in that manner as he truly is and relate to him and put our confidence in him, life is up to us. And so even all this stuff we're talking about, masculine initiation, be a good man, change the world, build something, leave our mark on the world, find out what we're meant to be. Without sonship, it all becomes very futile because at the end, it's up to you. And at the end, you're on your own. But the reverse is true that when we come home to God as father and receive this lavish love that he's initiating in our first act is not to make it happen. Our first act is to respond to his initiative. Then there's a weight, like you said, Sam, with your shoulders that comes off that we realize 
we are loved right here and right now. We don't have to change anything. There's nothing we can do or not do or say or not say that will cause God to withdraw his affection, his delight, his care, his posture of being for us. And so I believe that the journey of becoming a son is a process. George MacDonald said, since we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. And fundamentally, the story of becoming a king, that's the, that's the toe line. That's the central narrative is coming ever deeper home to a place of sonship. And that's where we find our peace, recover our strength, recover our joy and our courage to actually face the trials we have and not do it out of self-sufficiency, but actually find the place that we were meant to rule and reign as kings under Christ, our King in God's kingdom. So good, Morgan. So, so good. Thank you for this conversation today. It feels like just scratching the surface. And I imagine a lot of guys are going to be wondering where to go next. So where would you send guys and what do you have for them? Yeah, yeah, it's an honor. I, I, I really love talking to this demographic of, of men. I remember when I was there, and I still am there, right? There's always pieces, but very specifically late 20s into early 30s. I remember um, having pain and asking questions. And here two day, over two decades later, like becoming a king is, is the body of work that God's entrusted to my care to curate and distill that message. And so I think my heart for these men is like, you're on time and there's more and it's not up to you. And so, yeah, if you're resonating with this, we've done several awesome podcasts on Anson's before, um, but there's a treasure chest, it become good soil of blogs and podcasts to, to go the next step in this content if you're moved. And as I was praying into this podcast today, I really just had a heart to connect with the Anson's tribe. I absolutely love that Blaine and Sam, that you guys are shepherding a path, a process, an opportunity, a language, an interpretive grid for young men. And I want to just invest in that tribe. So I creating a, a page at becomingaking.com slash Ansons. And I made a little form where you can just put your name and email. And later on this year, when enough guys get a chance to hear this podcast, I'd love to circle up on Zoom. We can have a live session and as you dive into the, the message of becoming a king and become good soil, I'd love to hear what's on your heart, hear your questions, pray with you guys, and just offer some encouragement and some hope. So becomingaking.com, you can find more on the message, and then becomingaking.com slash ansons. Just put your name and email, and sometime later this year, I'll reach out back to you, and we'll get a date on the calendar and circle up with like-hearted young men. It's awesome. Thank you, Morgan. But da 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 have to pee so bad. <laughs> Woo!